Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with another episode of The Yakking Show. This is the show that provides you with a greater range of actionable tips and ideas for businesses and entrepreneurs than you'll find practically anywhere else on the internet. Before I introduce co-host, quick reminder, if you want to stay up to date with all our forthcoming guests and the ones for the current week, sign up for our newsletter. We send it out once a week with all those details. And there's a link at the bottom of our descriptions and on our website where you can do that. So first, let's introduce co-host Kathleen Beauvais from Waterloo, Ontario. Hi, Kathleen. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Peter. Thank you so much. And thank you for tuning into our show. We so appreciate you and we love reading your comments. So please keep those coming. And if anyone is interested in being a guest on our show, we welcome you to visit our website at theyackingshow.com. All you have to do is click on the contacts tab and there's a short application form for you to fill out. And we'd love to hear from you. And as Peter mentioned, that we do have another special guest with us today. Her name is Sarah Roach Lewis. Hello, Sarah. Welcome to the show. How are you? Well, I'm just great and I'm delighted to be here. Wonderful. Good. Sarah is the CEO of SRL Solutions and creator of the Seven Figure Confidence Program. She's a business strategist that has helped women build scalable businesses without feeling like they have to work 24-7. I can't wait to delve into this topic with you, Sarah. But first, for our audience, can you please give us a little bit about your background and what motivated you to help women in particular to build successful businesses? Well, thank you for having me. And in terms of what motivated me in particular to this this business is a long background in the not-for-profit sector, actually. I worked for a feminist organization for almost a decade. And I decide and what I realized when I was ready to leave that is that what's really important to me is working toward gender equality and that that can happen in many, many different ways. You don't have to work for a feminist organization in order to work toward gender equality. In all of the work that I did, one of the things that became clear uh, over and over and over again is how important it is for women to have their own money, their own wealth, and their own voice and business allows for all of that to happen right right mm -hmm. and i gotta jump in as as an old white male i can't argue with anything you said i support you 100 percent in that so wonderful <laughs> go ahead me Tim. um okay so I have a lot of the concerns that you have, and I've been around a long time, and I've employed a lot of women both in the corporate sector and fewer in numbers in my own businesses, and I am aware of the specific problem. But let's talk, a lot of that was a long time ago. Let's talk about today, Sarah. So what are the biggest single problems facing women entrepreneurs right now, would you say? Well, I'm the... There are a number of, of challenges that women entrepreneurs face. Um, access to funding is often mm -hmm. one. Um, and, and then, you know, another big issue that women face is, is confidence, which is, uh, you know, kind of hilarious, but it continues to be um, an issue that women face. And then there are the normal issues that regardless um, business owners face, and that is challenges around HR, challenges 
around leadership, figuring out your own leadership, figuring out your own vision for your business. So some of them are very, I would say, the experience of being a woman are specific challenges that women face it, when they're running their business. And then other challenges that women business owners face are, are similar to, to men as well. Okay. Sorry, can I just pick up on the very first one you mentioned, access to funding? Do you find that financial institutions have uh, tougher standards for women entrepreneurs than they do for men? Well, it depends on, yes. Uh, you know, the short answer is yes. Okay. And when we look again, historically, um, the, the reality is, Peter, that if we pull back to the very big picture around business, women have been running businesses since the beginning of time. Mm. But the world of business is created for men, inspired by military strategy and supported mm -hmm. by women at home doing everything else. So when we think about the language that we use um, that that militarized language is that the hill that you want to die on mm -hmm. um, you know what is your chain of command um, you, you got to bite the bullet and go and do the thing that's hard right so when we think about our our business language it is um, infused with military language and that comes back to when we think about from a strategic perspective the art of war um, you know, widely considered the Bible of business strategy. So we know that there's this world that that doesn't resonate with women. Mm -hmm. Women are not so much about um, not only the, that language, but what that represents. It represents competition and winning at all cost and you know kill your enemy and um and and you know go hard and exploit um exploit weaknesses that's not the kind of business that women are interested in running we're really more about um we're really more about competition and collaboration mm -hmm. we're really more uh, uh, it's a very different kind of business and so when we look at what some of those challenges are like so going back to that historically this has not been a space for women and if we look at both in canada and the us the rules around women's uh, what women can do in their businesses has really only changed um, like in my lifetime. So mm -hmm. oh, yeah. in the, you know, in the U.S., it was um, not until the 80s where women needed to have a their husband's name on their business loans. So historically. Uh, financial institutions are not used to dealing with women-owned businesses. Part of the challenge as well is the kinds of businesses that women run. Sure. So women are more likely to cluster their businesses around service-based businesses, the helping profession. When we look at investable businesses as in looking for angels, VC funding, those kinds of places where women are at about 4% of VC funding goes to women. Part of that challenge is women don't start businesses that 
are investable in that Ah, same kind of way. And so what we want to be thinking about is how do we how do we encourage women who are running the kinds of businesses that they want to expand their thinking and to be thinking differently about their business? Okay, good. Interesting. Kathleen, back to you. Why don't you talk to us about the services that you offer at SRL Solutions? Sure. So I really focus on um, supporting women to grow their businesses. 86% of women-owned businesses make less than $100,000 a year. And that is the hardest stage of business because we don't have a ton of money to outsource or to do the all the things that we need to do. And we start our businesses for flexibility, for freedom, and really um, to put our sort of unique spin out into the world. What we end up finding is that we're stuck doing administration and bookkeeping and all of these things that are not our unique skills. So I really focus on supporting women to get out of that phase as quickly as possible. And by doing that, thinking about what do we need to do in order to grow our business? Well, we need to know what our vision is. We need to know where we're going. We need to know how we're going to get there. What is our plan? And we need to know what kind of leader we are in all of this. So I really focus on teaching people how to plan. So often businesses, women come into businesses because of their special skills. And then they say to me, I don't know anything about business. It's like, well, that's okay. Those are all learned skills. So that's what I teach people is the, you know, entrepreneurial planning. How do we ensure that we're baking growth and success and flexibility into our business? Mm -hmm. Okay. Lots, lots in there. So, on your website, you mentioned some particular problems women entrepreneurs experience during and since the lockdown. Did you want to expand on that a little bit? Sure. Well, I, I mean, really what the lockdown did was expose the inequity that has existed since the beginning of time. And so women um, take on the lion's share of child care, elder care, volunteer work within our communities. And so what happened during the pandemic is we lost all of those supports that we generally have and um, and, and the work didn't go away. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that those competing uh, priorities for people's time were really emphasized uh, during the pandemic. I mean, things have shifted again, um, thankfully, but what I think one of the silver linings of the pandemic is exposing those inequities. And once we see them, we can't unsee them. So now it's a matter of how do we, from a personal perspective, how do we shift our world so that, um, you know, we have, we have more time to do the things that we want and not the things that we don't want, but also uh, systemically from in our society, when we may, when we recognize this, then looking at how do we ensure that the systems change so that there is less um there is less inequity than there is than there was before okay <clears throat> with you right so you've written a book uh titled she rules tell us more about that 
So it really comes back from that question that I continue to to struggle with, and that is, why do women feel uncomfortable and not necessarily confident in their business, even though they're the ones who created it? And that's where I came up with this, you know, really looking at, well, what is that all about? And because I've done strategy my whole life, I pull back to like the, you know, 100,000 foot view. And that's where I looked at, oh, it's because of the world of business was not designed for us. It was, like I said before, Mm -hmm. it was designed for men, inspired by military strategy and supported by a woman at home doing everything else. So then the answer is, we need to change the rules and we need to create a different kind of strategy. And so what I talk about in my book is creating a feminist business strategy. And that is one where you don't have to hide the fact that you're a, a woman. You don't have to hide the fact um, that you have particular skills. You lean into those and you embrace those. So that's really what I work through um, in in the book. And what I the reason the way that I designed the book is to be actionable. So we we look at the big picture, but then strategy doesn't mean anything unless you've got a plan of action attached to that. So what are you going to do tomorrow that is going to make that difference? in your business and in your life. So that's really what I did in the book was identified what the the rules are that I see. And then here are tips, tricks, and strategies that you can use to implement those in your business right away. Hmm. So I got to jump in here and ask you a, a question that's just come to mind as you were talking. I would say from my work with, with men in business that many men, male entrepreneurs would experience those same doubts and fears as you're talking about with women, particularly guys who may have been in a trade or in a factory environment and through desire or force of necessity now have to start a business and don't have the corporate business background. I've come across some very insecure guys who don't know who to turn to and, and would welcome the sort of advice you're giving. So, I accept that it's probably a lot worse for women, but I, you know, I'm trying to make the point that I think a lot of men suffer from the same problems and, and fears as well. Would, would you agree with me? I certainly don't disagree. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I, I think so. I just, I think that there are, what you're talking about is privilege. And so mm-hmm. we all come with our own privilege and disadvantages and so for someone you know if you're talking about someone who's a a blue collar worker you know and and so they're coming with their own set of privileges but they're also coming with their own set of preconceived notions and disadvantages as well so i i think that really speaks to regardless of where you are in this world um you're you're you have privileges and disadvantages yeah everybody does yeah yeah and i think for me you know when i when i i wrote a book called she rules because of my specific experience with women um it and my deep understanding of gender and how that impacts every single part of our world. So that was Mm -hmm. what my particular lens, but absolutely. The things that I talk about um, can apply to anyone. Yeah. 
Yeah, and because we have such a mixed audience, predominantly entrepreneurs, small business, medium business owners, and marketing people trying to get up in the world. But um, at a guess, 50-50 male-female, uh, you know, I was trying to make, I'm trying to make the point that a lot of the problems that we society thinks are worse for women can also be pretty bad for some some men and, and need attention as well. Not downplaying what you're doing or, or the effect on women in the slightest. So let's look ahead. Now, in this post-pandemic landscape, some you mentioned the point things are coming back to normal, but they're not all back to normal. We've got some new technology like AI-generated content and, and graphics. We've got automations. We've got a whole lot of stuff that's been accelerated, I think, because of the pandemic. So what does this mean for, let's, let's look more your field, for women entrepreneurs going ahead? Do you think it'll affect women more than men, or, or do you think it'll apply equally to both? what part like just in terms well generally of- I, i'm just talking about business entrepreneurs small business owners going ahead given the effects of the pandemic the changes that have come yeah. about some good some bad and some that won't go away and all these new technologies or put all that in a basket what does it mean for women entrepreneurs looking ahead well i think that the landscape i think it's exciting actually and one of the things that i see is that we have leveled the playing field in many ways mm-hmm. and you know it is no longer um working from home it makes sense and people understand that now working virtually makes sense and people mm-hmm. understand that now and we all are in a world where we have a better understanding of um, the blend between work and life and what that that harmony can and should look like. So to me, that's actually really exciting. And I would say that that, you know, going back to your um, men and women, I think that's exciting for all of us mm-hmm. because we now live in a world where when I was doing all kinds of work, I mean, I, I do a lot of work online anyway, but for me, particularly during the pandemic, it was like, oh gosh, please bring your kids in. We want to see kids, cats and dogs just for a minute because we're so desperate to see yeah. other people in any way, in any capacity. So I think we're, we have a better understanding of um, the way that the reality of people's worlds. And so we don't have to hide that anymore. I also think that, you know, the flexibility that came in, in many ways with the pandemic, um, that will remain. And that is of a real benefit um, to women uh, in particular, but really particularly people who have small kids um, or, you know, have other significant responsibilities in their lives. Right. Mm-hmm. Good. And and I would think that another benefit has come out for those, perhaps more women because of the childcare aspect, but it could cover men as well. Those people who don't want to work nine or 10 hours a day, who who only need to work six and, and want to work six. I think there's going to be more opportunities for that sort of thing coming up as well. So they are good. Back to you, Kathleen. So Sarah, there are many women who feel unworthy of earning a good or even a great income. How do you help women overcome that? It's such a great question, Kathleen, because I have worked with thousands of women in all capacities, um, socioeconomic status, uh, industries, sectors, and every woman I know struggles with confidence issues, 
to at some point and to varying degrees. So what I do when I talk about when, when someone comes to me and says I'm struggling with confidence, there's a few things that I encourage and part of right off the top is really being aware of what your language is language is important. And so when we say I don't have any confidence, I would encourage someone to say I'm having a crisis of confidence. So just that language is a little bit lighter, it's a little bit easier to move through a crisis than it is to be to go from that binary of like I have none to I need to get some. Mm -hmm. Um, So language is important in reframing that is I'm having a crisis because when I first started in business, I had a massive crisis of confidence. My first year in business, I felt like I had no idea what I was doing. I was a leader in a feminist organization. I met with government. I met with policymakers all the time. People sought me out for my expertise. And all of a sudden, I'm this babe in the woods. I, I don't know what a lead magnet is. I don't know how to create a website. I, I don't have an email marketing system. Oh, I don't know what I'm doing. So I, and yet... I still knew all of those other things that I knew before. I still consulted with people when they asked me for my opinion. I still knew how to do HR and operations and all those things that you need to do when you run a successful not-for-profit. So shifting that reframe to I'm having a crisis is really important. I After that, it's if you're not feeling confident, then lean on other people. So who are the people that you can that you can have a conversation with who are going to help you remember the things that you're good at, the reasons why you are charging these numbers that you're charging or whatever it is. So I think those are, you know, a couple of really key things. The other piece that I really want encourage women to think about is like own what's yours Mm -hmm. and recognize that part of this conversation around confidence is the world is built and operates on the unpaid labor of women and the it it behooves our society for us to not move into those higher paying jobs or into the or to own higher paying businesses because that takes us away from our job of the unpaid labor that we do and so our society benefits from telling women over and over and over and over again that we don't have confidence and so be careful of the messages that you're hearing Mm -hmm. and i encourage people to reject those ideas of like, oh, is this actually me? Or is this the systemic oppression that I experience as a woman in this world? Right. I got to jump into the quick one, which is not really arguing what you're saying. In, in a way, it's supporting it, but it's coming at it from a different angle. So bear me out. I was fortunate to have a very strong character for a mother and, and equally strong for a father. And because I'm old, both my parents fought in World War Two. My mother was. Yeah. Oh. Through the Blitz, can you believe? Anyway, she was a very strong character who rarely ever worked outside the home when I was a child. She grew vegetables, she raised chickens. Uh, my internet connection's unstable. Ah, we're back. Um, so I had that upbringing, and, and she was full of confidence in, in what she did, which was protecting the family, feeding the family, and all that. So that's my background. And 
I, I, I'm jumping around a little bit. I'll get to the point. I know there's many men in business who, who bully women and, and probably bully men as much, and that's because of their own character and lack of confidence. It's been my observation for most of my working life that I don't detect, and many other men in managerial positions don't detect the lack of confidence that the women themselves feel. And I've said this to Kathleen, I've said it to virtually every woman I've ever employed or met in business. Most women give out a more confident aura than they feel themselves. So, so I'm just saying that, and and I, I really believe that. You might argue with me, but I I, I think women do themselves a disservice by overemphasizing lack of confidence. It's not apparent to many outsiders. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I think it's, again, it goes back to the question of who is overemphasizing that, right? Yeah. And, yeah. Um, but I think you, you make a very good point that, um, you know, we, how we appear on the outside is often very different than how we feel on the inside. Absolutely. Yeah, that's you put it much better than I did. That's the point I was trying to make. Thank you. So now I've got a, I've got what I call my burning question for you. And we asked this of all the successful people, and, and you're clearly in that category. Do you think, Sarah, there's there's one characteristic mindset, habit, attribute, whatever you want to call it, value even that separates successful people from those that remain average? And I don't just mean successful in business or making a lot of money. I mean getting a balanced life a contented life. Is there one thing or is it more complicated? I think that action and Mm -hmm. a willingness to move and a willingness to make mistakes in public. So that whole idea around done is better than perfect. And so when you operate under done is better than perfect, that means you make imperfect action. And I think that's what separate, that's what builds successful businesses and, and successful people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very good. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you for that. Yes. We're running a, a bit short on time, but how can people contact you, Sarah? Well, you can always find me on Instagram at srochlewis. And then my website is sherules.biz. And you can find all kinds of things about me and what I do there. That's great. Excellent. We will, we will put that. And for audio listeners, that's all in the description. You can find Sarah's contact details there. Very well, good. Thank you, sir. Sarah, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so much. And hopefully we'll see you again sometime. And thank you all again for tuning into the show. And until next time, take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.